Hello and welcome to another episode of Higher Like Maths, which is all about how maths can improve our mental and intellectual abilities. My name is Linda, I'm the host of the show. I'm applied mathematician, I completed a PhD in it. I teach for different universities in Sydney and I'm also the founder of Bungie Pi, which helps children learn maths using storytelling, fun animations, and real-life application. Higher Like Maths is my own initiative to populate maths in your society, talk about advantages of doing maths, and introduce great minds in the space of mathematics and its applications. Today, I have a great speaker who is George Papadopoulos. Yes, you got it, Greek name who is applied mathematician and maths educator with heaps of knowledge and his skills. He's young, but he has a lot of stories to share. He's been working with children and also uni students for quite a while. Before giving you more detail about his background, I would like to ask you to subscribe to a platform and support us. To start with, I would like to ask you to give us more information about your background. Any fun story? Um, where did actually this journey started? Um, your schooling time? What did you want it to be growing up? Yeah, that's a really interesting one because um, when I was younger, I, I certainly didn't imagine that I would be where I am now. I think that most people say that though anyway. Um, I think that I was, I was always interested in science ever since I was probably like five years old. Um, so I always had this idea that I would be a scientist of some description. I guess in some ways I sort of am sort of still a scientist. I guess I do research. I was always interested in science, but lots of different things. I think that when I was six years old, I wanted to be an entomologist. Um, so, you know, studying insects and stuff. Yeah. Um, and, or a paleontologist studying of dinosaurs. Um, right. you know, at some stage I wanted to be a marine biologist, um and then when I was in like in senior high school I wanted to become an astrophysicist oh, wow. and and then and I still and I intended to do that because when I was at uni I, I well when I first got into uni I enrolled into um you know um the um uh, like a science degree at Sydney uni and with my majors being maths and physics so I intended to, you know, graduate with a major in physics and I still did. Um, but when I got to first year, um, it was then that I, I started to see the benefits of preferentially doing mathematics as a, as a focus over physics. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And my current PhD supervisor was my was one of my lecturers in first year. And he inspired me to take more mathematics. And so I, I then changed my career pathway from, from a career in physics to a career in mathematics. Right. Um, and that sort of happened when I was in first year. Oh, wow. Um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, so that really changed my life. And um, But in terms of maths education, um, like I've been interested and passionate about teaching maths since mm. I was probably like 16, 17, oh, wow. you know. I used to help because I was an extension to maths at school and, you know, I, you know, in the lower classes, like, you know, the regular two, you know, advanced mathematics, mm -hmm. um, I used to walk around the class 
you know, after the, the teacher had done the presentation when we were doing exercises, I used to walk around the class and help students. Right. Um, and I think that sort of awakened my passion for helping students with maths. Oh, great. Um, you know, and then I did private tutoring ever since I was probably 17 or 18. Yeah. Right. right. Um, and yeah, so, you know, private tutoring was, I guess, got me into it. And then, you know, eventually um, I decided that I would, um, I was actually doing some physics, some physics teaching at the School of Physics when I first started the university in my undergrad, but then eventually I moved on to work for the School of Maths as a mm -hmm. maths tutor. And then I did some lecturing at the School of Maths at Sydney Uni. And then, yeah, my, 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 as I was doing my master's, I then transitioned into a career of, because um, my master's was in applied mathematics. Right. Um, I transitioned into a career of maths education with my uh, primary supervisor being David Eastdown, who was that famous lecturer in first year that convinced me to move my career in physics towards a career in mathematics, I guess. Right, right. Um, well, it wasn't all his fault. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, was, I was enjoying maths more than I was enjoying physics. Oh, interesting. And, um, yeah, yeah. And I just decided that um, I would focus more on maths um, because I, you know, if you focus on maths, you can always, you know, you can always do physics or chemistry or biology or anything you want to do, yeah, but that's it doesn't true. Really work the other way around. Yeah. It's, it's a great tool, isn't it? Yeah. You yeah. can just, you, you, you can just do a lot with it. You can move around because that, that's right. But if you do physics or you do chemistry or biology, that's very hard to kind of move to the, uh, the maths career or doing the maths and stuff, but it's much easier when you do it other way around. So it's, yeah. um, it's, it's pretty cool. So, uh, so, um, uh, the main reason why you moved or you changed your career path from uh, physics or science and, and particularly focused on, on maths is, is purely for, uh, for your passion or so you liked it and you, you see uh, like a future in it or is just there other reasons involved as well? I was both of those. I mean, there is the simplicity and the beauty of mathematics, which, which was something personal that allured to me. And I think it, it's, an, it's an allure for a lot of, people um and it was also because it just made logical sense from a career perspective mathematics graduates are in high demand and always right. have been right and um, that, i think it, this is a great message for our audience as well yeah exactly um and something that my my supervisor who was my lecturer at the time um david said to me um and it's it's a really nice story it was um you know, kind of like at the last lecture and I, you know, I went, you know, he was handing out the surveys and it was the end of the last lecture and, you know, the students were clapping and all that. And I went to speak to him at the end of the lecture and I said, I, I'm in this difficult predicament because, you know, I always saw myself as a scientist or, you know, wanting to have a career in physics, but now I'm starting to enjoy maths more than physics. Right. But what sort of, you know, future holds you know, if I want to choose a career in mathematics, because, you know, it's very abstract and there's this, this there doesn't seem to be, a, a, you know, a, an end goal for many students if they, you know, if they think about career in mathematics because of how abstract it is. Can you please share more detail about that? So what doors you can open by, by doing a degree in maths? This is kind of like what I asked my, 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 my lecturers and my, you know, who's my current supervisor at the time. Um, 
So yeah, and I think I, I made an appointment to, to see him, you know, in his office or whatever. And I think that he pretty much answered this, like, you know, with this sort of analogy, which is like, um, you know, if you, if you, if you become a mathematician, you'll be like a Swiss army knife, you know, right. you'll have all these tools and they can be used in so many different areas. Right. Uh, you know, you, you become, you know, you have, you have these tools and you become very useful. If you like, right. these tools are very useful for you and you become useful to a lot of potential industries. Yeah. Um, and so very, so versatility is the major thing about a career in mathematics. Um, and on top of that, um, there is, there's kind of like what I was mentioning before, which is like, if you become a mathematician, then you can still pursue your interests in biology, in chemistry, in physics, in economics, that's you true. know, anything that's science related Yeah. in STEM, you know, anything yeah. that needs maths, you can mm -hmm. do as a mathematician. Mm -hmm. But you know, like we said, if you become a, a research biologist, then you're not going to, you're not going to continue really to pursue your interests in pure or applied mathematics, you know, as heavily, um, you know, typically speaking in the sciences, you typically just do the maths because it solves a problem, not because you're interested in the maths. That's sure. That's true. I actually, um, I am one of those ones. Well, I did a PhD in applied mathematics, but I really love science. And uh, during my postdoc, I really like to work on biology uh, problems. And I ended up doing a postdoc in biomathematics, purely work with um, biologists and neuroscientists and um, sports uh, physiologists and, and this kind of people. Um, and I try to um, sort of understand what's what's biology and um, what's what's the world of biology and what these people are talking about and how can I help. But, you know, if you want to do it other way around, that would be so difficult. I had a great tool, um, which was that mathematical mindset all the tools that I knew, uh, how to apply it. I, I knew because I did apply maths, I knew coding. So it was easy to for me just playing around with with the with their data, and I could move very quickly from one space to another, like neuroscience to let's say um, sports science and and all of that. Because when it's come to uh, applying um, your mathematical skills and knowledge, it's all about that data. So so for us, those data is just a bunch of numbers you can play around with, and you have great tools for it. But for biology, it's just a different world, right? That data represents so many things. For us, it's just a number to play around with and we have the skills and knowledge to get something out of it, you know? And I think that's that's the message for someone who wants to make a decision what to do next. Yeah, well, that actually happened to me with my master's degree because my with my master's degree, I was studying um, rotational dynamics. Um, uh, it's more more complicated than that, but basically, you know, rotational energies and angular momentum and stuff like that. Right. And my colleague, who was also doing a PhD in the, in the similar field with the same supervisor, right. um, his work was went on and directly uh, helped the Australian Institute of Sports, in particular the Australian diving team. Right. So the field of research that I was involved with my supervisor for my master's degree mm -hmm. was actually helping the Australian diving team right. looking at new diving techniques and rotations of the human body. Wow, wow, wow. Now, the thing is, like for me, 
I wasn't particularly interested in the application, right? Right, but, right. But I'm because I was interested in the pure maths. I was interested in the complex contour integrals and you know four-dimensional complex tori and stuff right, like that. Right. You know, yeah, you yeah. know, and, and these and these manifolds and, and stuff like that. I was interested in the pure maths and, and the stuff that was really abstract. Yeah. But I was yeah. happy to know that there was also real world application, which I might not be interested in, but other people are. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I do get it. It's uh, something quite interesting um, to to mention here that often I get this question, particularly from engineers or or business community, that hey, what's the point of doing a PhD in math? What's the application? What, oh, how are you well. going to apply that? Right, <laughs> right. Is uh, I often get that question, and and I always say that hey, if you ask a, a real mathematician, what's the point of all of that one? Those, those stuff, this crazy stuff, they would have said, I am doing it because I'm enjoying it and I'm not doing it for the sake of mathematics. They probably wouldn't be that much interested in their application. And that's why mathematicians probably are century ahead of the rest of the people. The people that say, like, why are you torturing yourself? Like, that's because maybe they've had bad experiences with maths at school and they couldn't think of anything worse to spend all their lives that's doing. That's true, like, yeah. We yeah. wouldn't do it if we don't enjoy it. And I that's definitely... True. That's one piece of advice that I say to students who, um, you know, when it comes to higher level mathematics, even at school, um, let alone university, is don't do it if you don't enjoy it because you yeah. won't succeed in higher mathematics, yeah. especially advanced abstract mathematics, if you do not enjoy it. That's true. That's true. And I think as, as, an, as an educator, I think this is part of our, our job as well. Um, to make it relevant, to make it fun a little bit. I mean, explain it in a way that they can see um, sort of, you know, the beauty in it, right? For me, always doing maths, it's like, you know, it's like a game. Um, uh, so it's just a puzzle. And and, and often I think like that- Like a Rubik's Cube. Yeah. <laughs> Except with this Rubik's Cube, you can see I removed all the stickers because I got yeah. frustrated with it. But now it's just a degenerate Rubik's Cube that's always solved. <laughs> yeah, you know. You know? You know, for us, it's, it's like playing games. And, and you, you probably, you know, come up with this idea of, um, often that why people don't like this, why they, they don't enjoy it. Because it's like, you know, it's like a game. How come you don't enjoy playing a game? But I think this is one of our, our duty as, a, as, an, as an educator to, to show that side of it as well. That can be fun and, uh, you know, you, you can enjoy it as well. Um, alrighty, so uh, so far we, we've been talking about a, you know, um, a career path um, and how useful it is to at least have a bachelor degree in mathematics uh, or double degree and include more maths in it uh, just for the sake of your own career, your own understanding, your own future. Um, so um, we talked about passions while you really like teaching um, uh, beside the science and all of um, other things. And um, you've spent uh, so many years for learning and teaching mathematics. Um, how much has changed the way you look at life? Any particular mindset? Any, 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 what, what do you actually got? Um, has it been helpful in, in terms of shaping the way you look at your life at all? Yeah, it's been both helpful and also um, unhelpful. Yeah, there's some very unhelpful things that that um, 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 mathematical way of thinking can do. Uh, let me 
Well, firstly, the helpful ones are obvious, and that is a strategic way for solving problems. Right. Uh, don't get me wrong, like the helpful far, far outweigh the unhelpful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, like, you know, just in general, like every time you have a problem, you have a strategic way of solving it. Right. Um, or, or a strategic way of trying to find a solution and yeah. to rationalize things. And it really helps you with organizing your thoughts, organizing your, you know, your routines and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, you know, it just makes things work efficiently because, you know, you study, you know, um, uh, you know, optimization and, and calculus and stuff. And oh, yeah. ultimately yeah. optimization is, <laughs> the is part of human life. <laughs> You always come over, what's the shortest part? How I can... Yeah, exactly. The path of least resistance and stuff. (laughs) It's just kind of like naturally fast, right? Yeah. Yeah. But there's there's a really, there's a dangerous side to to thinking mathematically. And that is, you can get into the trap of applying mathematical thinking to things that maybe can't or shouldn't have mathematical applications. Um, And so some common things is like, Sometimes when we are in emotionally taxing situations, um, uh, sometimes if we try too hard to try and optimize the situation and try and look at all the variables and, you know, try and find the path of least resistance or the optimal outcome, mm-hmm. we can sometimes get trapped in, in fitting a formula to that and it just doesn't work. Right. Um, and when we can't find a solution because it's a qualitative um, phenomenon, then right. we can sometimes feel very trapped because in mathematics, everything has either a solution or we can at least say that there is no solution, you right. know, yeah. there exists a solution or there does not exist a solution, right. you know, right. Um, right. and there is some sort of closure with mathematics, with problems, you know, um, yeah. and when you're dealing with things that are emotional, um, especially with, you know, um, relationships, mental health, stuff like that, if you try and force an equation onto it, um, you can really feel trapped into believing that there must be a solution when really there isn't one. And it can be hard to let go of that and to let let it be chaotic and to let it run its course and to accept that you don't have control over it. You know, that's yeah. that's a very difficult thing as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely get it. And I think I've sort of got stuck in that trap as well. So, and, uh, you know, sometimes when it's come to life, whatever happens in real life, you can't apply any, any equation on it. Or maybe if there is an equation, it's just super, super duper complicated and finding a solution in that situation or modeling it is, is pretty difficult. All right. Okay. So, um, um, because I know you have um, a great, great teaching um, and learning um, experiences, um, in the space of math education uh, and you work with um, different students, unit students, high school students. Uh, what's the biggest challenge for a student when it comes to maths and how you've been helping the students overcome that? Um, I think that the biggest, the, the biggest challenge for maths education uh, across the board is, um, is engagement. Um, and sadly with the pandemic, uh, mathematics engagement, um, well, engagement in education has taken a hit, um, across the board in education, but mathematics education has taken a really hard hit because of the difficulties of communicating mathematics 
um, and teaching mathematics effectively digitally or remotely yeah. online. Um, so engagement is the biggest issue. Um, and as part of my work, I'm always actively looking at solutions um, that can try and improve engagement. Um, and, and, you know, we try to make things fun. We try and, you know, think about creative or, you know, initiatives in maths education, um, you know, different programs, different technologies um, and teaching methods, um, which, you know, maths education innovation is something that we've been very passionate about even prior to the pandemic, but now the pandemic is, is really um, a disabling phenomenon in mathematics education. And now we have to be very, very strategic about what can we do to minimize these, um, you know, these disadvantages as much as we can. Um, ultimately, um, ultimately, the only solution is to go back to face-to-face -face and to overcome the pandemic. Um, that is the ultimate, the ultimate cure. Um, right. There is, you know, for as, as long as we are separated physically from our students, we will never return back to the education standards that we once had. Right. And so that is the ultimate goal, whether it involves, um, whether it involves vaccination or, or um, um, you know, community immunity or, or what have you. Um, ultimately, that is the only way that things will return back to normal. That's the biggest challenge that we're facing, at least in the last couple of years. Right. Um, um, aside from that, an ongoing issue that we have in mathematics is is um is assumes knowledge in particular in the the boundary or the transition between high school or secondary and tertiary education yeah um this is actually something that has been an issue for many years we're talking 30 40 years it's been well documented in the literature right. and this is worldwide but in yeah. particular in um it's a really big issue in western um uh, western countries such as the uk united states and australia yeah. Um, huge issues with um, insufficient background knowledge of mathematics for yeah. incoming students in the yeah. tertiary space. Yeah. Um, this is something that I have been interested in and researching in for uh, over the last 10 years, right. actually. Yeah. Um, and is one of the main things that I focus on in my PhD. Okay. Um, and even in my current work, um, and I work for two universities, I work for the University of Sydney and the University of Notre Dame. Um, in math support, um, looking at um, students that come in with insufficient maths, how can right. we provide support for those? Right. That is a big issue. So we need to look at the technologies, the learning methods, teaching methods, yeah. innovations um, to try and mitigate that. Because unfortunately, especially in Australia, we have a huge, a pandemic of another kind, which is students are doing lower and lower and less and less mathematics for what they want to do and yeah. are continuously, chronically underprepared for maths. Yeah. So any solution? Give us a solution. How, what did you what did you came up with? I mean, the thing is the solution, the solution is honestly as cynical as this sounds, I don't think it's achievable. The, I mean, because uh, the solution is is to change our culture, right? right? Um, we have a chronic issue with maths culture and right. and derogatory views towards mathematics success in this right. country. Right. Um, you yourself, you're Persian, so right. you can appreciate oh, the yeah. value of mathematics. That's true. Like 
for example, in Iran. Yeah. Um, because if you're in Iran and you're not good at maths, it's like, like what's wrong with you? Yeah, like, that's it's true. Like, it's like the equivalent of you can't read and write. That's you true. Can't do maths, right? You actually but can be considered as a stupid person if you. I know. It's, culturally, it's, it's just so so. But it's the same. It's not just in Iran. It's all the whole Middle Eastern region. It's also in Asia. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Who are the? Not to sound not not to sound. Uh, you know, also in um, the Scandinavian countries, it's the same. You know, yeah. in Germany, it's the same. Yeah. You know, even in maths, I remember. So uh, with the maths that I was doing, I was in. You know. I was I went to Greece when I was uh, 18 and my cousin who was two years younger than me he was 16 and they were on this 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 island they were on the verge of poverty but they right. were learning university mathematics when he was 16 yeah yeah well, you know? like yeah. so so this problem honestly it's the it's it's us the Australians the Americans and the British you know yeah. who think yeah. maths is not cool you know yeah. I don't know I can't speak for the American and the British but it, it really, it's, it's, you know, the ethnics, if you like, you, you yeah. know, the Europeans, the Asians, the Indians, the Middle Easterns, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, they, they, they appreciate know that. the value of mathematics and they, they have appreciated the value of mathematics for, dare I say, 4,000 years. Right, yeah, oh yeah, it's just a long, long history behind, you know? behind that. And that's the issue. The issue is our culture and we need to reverse this idea that if you are not good at maths it's okay or it's even cool like that's ridiculous it is it is and it's a difficult thing believe me it's a difficult thing to change that mindset or change that culture that um you've been talking about i deal with different um with different students um from uh, different um, um uh, ethnicity um, in Sydney so it's a Persian background Indian background um, like white background um, and things like that so I've noticed that when their parents are from those regions and uh, they value mathematics then they push the kids like like crazy that you need to learn this from <laughs> here and I'm not joking about it like I have a student she's like a little little seven years old but her mom told me that she needs to get that she needs to get perfect that she needs to re be really good at it and she's just 70 years old so and and it's just a challenge for me how to entertain her and how to actually teach her in a way that you know um year two students will get that so but but that's actually come from the family you know come from the culture of of mom and parents right the society is changing the future is changing the future of australia will be different will be different if you definitely need uh, a lot of people with high level of skills and that high level of skills is, is is highly related to mathematics so um we're coming back to that uh, disengagement uh, problem um which we have been facing out of school What's your message for maths teachers? So I think the most important thing is that maths teachers need to be engaged with the material themselves. They need to be interested in the material. Um, they need to be interested in, in mathematics and passionate about mathematics education. Otherwise, I would urge teachers that are not passionate and engaged to not teach maths. Right. Like they're just doing a disservice to our youth. Right, you know? yeah. Um, that's, that's the prerequisite the teachers must be passionate about the teaching because it really comes through. Um, if teachers um, are passionate about teaching mathematics, but have difficulty with managing 
child pedagogy, which is there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of demoralization with dealing with students who um, don't like maths or even don't like to go to school, um, you know, and that can take a toll on the, on the teacher, emotional toll, then, yeah. this, then the teacher will need to reflect on their ability or their mental or emotional capacity to be in that situation, you yeah. know, and to reconsider, um, maybe even reconsider, you know, a career in tertiary mathematics education, you know, yeah. or to go from secondary to primary, for example, because it's a di different, you know, psychological um, interaction with primary students versus secondary students and it's very different compared to tertiary students. Um, I myself knew that I didn't have the emotional capacity to deal with um, primary or secondary students. That's oh, just me. Right. And that's why I, I, I sought a career in tertiary mathematics education, yeah. right? And obviously it's always been an option for me to become a primary or secondary teacher but that's just not something that was part of my makeup yeah right, right. I get um but and that's what i think teachers need to be aware of make sure that they don't get burnt out and they're they're comfortable with teaching this age or demographic of students that they're in and not just to do it because you know it, it's a job like that's not a reason to do to do teaching yeah what's so, the main what's the main difference between these two um two groups right? the main so technically speaking, when someone is an adult, when you're teaching adults, you call that androgogy, right? right yeah. but we don't we don't typically use that word, right? We typically right. use pedagogy because peda, you know, comes from the Greek word pedi, which means child, right? Right. Yeah. You know, we typically use pedagogy even when we're talking about adults, but there is a distinction in um, education psychology between adult education and child education. Right. Um, uh, now I, I'm not qualified to speak about child education. Um, but my understanding about child education is that you're not just doing educational material, but you're also doing, you're also acting in a way as like, as life counsellors, you know, yeah. um, you know, you're doing a lot of counselling and providing a lot of psychological and emotional support because yeah. these, these children, and they are children, they are yeah. under the age of 18, yeah. um, they are still developing, um, they are still vulnerable, and they yeah. are still in physical and psychological formative years yeah. of their life yeah. um, and they're very vulnerable and so I think that teachers un unfortunately or unfortunately have the additional responsibility of being not just educators but being also child psychologists yeah. even though they might not be qualified to be so but they need to be aware of this responsibility and we call this duty of care legally I guess yeah. right okay. teachers have a duty of care whereas um it's a completely different dynamic um with adult education in the tertiary space the students are um you know well and truly um usually above the age of 18 if not they're 17 and a half and going to turn 18 yeah. by the time they come to first year uni um the focus of the shift is very much focused on the education yeah. um that doesn't mean that we don't provide emotional support sometimes we do and i work in math support and there's a lot of emotional support there but the onus is on the student to turn up to the class. Yeah. Um, and the focus is on the andrology, the adult education, um, and not, and there is no legal, there's, I mean, obviously, you know, 
you know, you've got to make sure that you abide by workplace health and safety, you know, protocols and what have you. But aside from doing your job properly and abiding the rules, there isn't this duty of care sort of thing um, yeah. as much as there is in school. So it's a very different type of education. Yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly what I've noticed as well, because I've worked with both, both groups, uni students and, and, you know, kids. And I've noticed is that it was just completely two different roles uh, when it's come to teaching, and and you 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 write about you know providing emotional support for kids because this is the first thing they need to see um, that you care about them, and 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 you constantly tell them hey you can do it even if you're not good at it you can do it. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have anything interesting related to maths that you would like to share with us please email me on info at bungeepie.com.au i would be more than happy to read through your comments or your suggestions uh, please don't forget to support us by subscribing to our platforms thank you